Uh, good afternoon. This is the June 22nd, 2023 meeting of the Palm Desert City Council Successor Agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority. Um, we will be adjourning to closed session momentarily. Is there any public comment on closed session items? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then we will be adjourned. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome uh, to resumption of the June 22, 2023 meeting of the Palm Desert City Council Successor Agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority meeting. Council Member Troopy will lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance and afterwards, I will offer some brief inspiration. This past Monday, we celebrated Juneteenth, the date upon which news of the Emancipation Proclamation very belatedly reached Galveston, Texas. It inspired me to go back and read the Emancipation Proclamation. And one thing in particular caught my attention. After freeing those enslaved, President Lincoln wrote, and I hereby enjoin upon the people so declared to be free to abstain from all violence unless 
in necessary self-defense. There must have been fear expressed in his time about such violence. Now we know that the greater threat was not the prospect of violence by those freed, but violence against them. Fear can blind us from seeing the challenges and opportunities that are most critical. And so, my wish and prayer tonight is that fear will not blind us, that we will be emancipated from all fear, to see the path to peace and justice for all people. Thank you. Is there a report from closed session? Um, thank you, Mayor. There's no reportable action that was taken at closed session this afternoon. Thank you. Madam, Madam Mayor, I do need to do the roll call for the purposes of 2449. You, you reminded me so graciously. Thank uh, you. Councilmember Harnick? Here. Councilmember Nistandi? Uh, yes, Councilmember Nistandi, uh, yes, could you could you confirm for the purposes of two four four nine uh, the purpose for you to need to remote participate, such as family care, an emergency, or illness, or some other uh, circumstance? Yes, uh, family care. Thank you. And is there anyone over the age of eighteen present in the room with you? No, I am in a room with the door shut. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Present. Councilmember Truby. Here. Mayor Kelly. Here. All councils present. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have the great pleasure of presenting a proclamation for Gay Pride Month, and I believe Dave Powell from the Desert Business Association and uh, some of representative members of that group are here to uh, receive our proclamation. Please come forward. You get to come behind. <laughs> Whereas the month of June is celebrated throughout the United States and many other countries as Gay Pride Month, recognizing the dignity and rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. And whereas although local pride celebrations occur 
in November in deference to the weather, which is actually pretty nice. Uh, June is an appropriate time to join with others in celebrating the immeasurable impact to the cultural, civic, and economic successes of our community that LGBTQ plus individuals have had. And whereas the city of Palm Desert is committed to honoring the equal rights and dignity of all, as outlined in resolution number 2018-19, and whereas education and awareness remain vital to end discrimination and prejudice and enhance society's growing appreciation for LGBTQ plus rights. Now, therefore, we declare the month of June as Gay Pride Month in support of our LGBTQ plus community. Terrific applause. Thank you, Mary. So I, I have a few minutes. Thank you. My name is. Oh, I have one minute. I only have two pages, Mayor. No, I'll keep it. I'll keep it short. Just want to uh, thank you, uh, Mayor, Mayor Pro Tem, and uh, Council Members. Um, Desert Business Association is pleased to accept this on behalf of our community. We are the oldest LGBT, the second oldest LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce in California, right behind San Francisco. We have about 320 members. 10% of which are in the city of Palm Desert. So yes, we focus so much on uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in addition to business development. And we have networking events, including one Monday, also here in the city of Palm Desert at uh, Marcel de Claremont uh, Rug Gallery. Um, we're also the only chamber that focuses directly on certification of LGBT business enterprises through the National LGBT Chamber and doing direct certification for those who are 51% or more, providing opportunities for our LGBT and other diverse businesses with our utilities, our states, our cities, and rest of government. I thank you so much. I have our members from all over Palm Desert here, um, and I'm going to do 20 seconds, Ira Mosley from Papa Dan's, Carlos Garcia from Garcia Research, Jeff, Cor Jeff Norman from McCallum Theater, Alan Bencomo from Bay Point Solutions, Kimberly Calvo from Waterstone Mortgage, Jack Newby from Jocelyn Center, Stephen Burchard from Real Estate, um, David Anderson from BBSI Business Systems, and Jesse Andrade, who also is from BBSI and also on the board of the Desert Business Association. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Council. Oh, whoa, oh. Uh, I, I won't be advancing the state. Stay, stay. Jack usually doesn't miss a photo op. Come on in, come on in, Ira. Oh, sir. Oh, hold on. Come on in. Carlos, come on in. You're a stranger. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. And thank you all for coming. Uh, city manager comments. 
Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'd like to invite Randy Chavis, our Deputy Director of Public Works, to the podium to give counsel and the public an update on some of the efforts that uh, he and the crews are undertaking to remediate the sand in the uh, northern sphere. We had uh, quite a bit of damage uh, over the last couple of months, and uh, he's been diligently working, uh, he and the crews, to get that cleaned up and also get some new uh, forms in place to work with some property owners that had been overlooked the first time. Good afternoon, Madam Mayor. City Council members, uh, I'm Randy Chavez, Deputy Director of Public Works, and I've uh, prepared a brief presentation, as the City Manager uh, just uh, mentioned earlier, on what we have done to remedi remediate the sand issues, uh, specifically on the north side of the city. And today, we're gonna talk about three uh, bullet points uh, that we are working on and will work on in the near future. Uh, we're gonna talk about the current status, the measures uh, Public Works has employed, and what are the next steps, specifically when it comes to the Dinosaur Drive and other uh, north uh, city sections. The current status uh, this fiscal year is that the crews removed over 600 tons of sand um, throughout the city, specifically, but uh, in the northern section. Uh, this is sand that had accumulated on along city streets, curb and gutters, sidewalks, and in the city medians. And as like, like I mentioned, uh, the north section of the city has been impacted the most. Uh, city crews are uh, focusing their uh, efforts there, uh, especially since uh, we have more uh, wind uh, forecasted in the near future. And the measures we employed, uh, we've in, uh, installed 77 linear feet of chain link fence and windscreen uh, in the north section of the city as uh, indicated on the map. And for the most part, the chain link fence and windscreen, uh, windscreen has held up uh, well. Uh, we have also rented a street sweeper to help us assist the crews when they uh, uh, remove the bulk of the material. The street sweeper goes in and does a, a better job cleaning the finer material. And we have also uh, been engaged with CVAG to ensure that our regional street sweeping vendor uh, remains on schedule. Another um, measure we've employed was installing wood mulch um, in some of these larger areas where sand has been an issue. Uh, to date, we have installed over 500 tons, uh, uh, specifically on Frank Sinatra Drive and on uh, Monterey uh, Drive as well. So what are our next steps? So um, we have contracted with a vendor to relocate sand away from the street, and this is on Dinosaur between Miriam Way and Key Largo. Uh, we're going to impact approximately five acres. Uh, we're going to install two rows of wind fence, and we're also going to apply a soil, a soil stabilizer to minimize uh, windblown sand in that area. In addition uh, to that, we will be performing preventative maintenance to minimize all these excessive sand dunes that we've been fighting uh, this past year. Uh, we're also going to partner with um, our landowners, uh, such as uh, Cal State San Bernardino, uh, to strategize and think of ways we could work together to minimize uh, nuisance sand. Uh, we will continue installing wind fence where needed. We have 4,500 uh, 4, linear feet ordered, and we will continue utilizing palm mulch to stabilize the soil. Um, this will also help uh, compliance with uh, SB 1383, which is uh, reusing uh, recycled green waste. And that concludes my presentation, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. Questions? Mayor Pro Tem. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Chavez, and to your whole team. This has been a large concern for our neighbors, and I see some of the um, residents here that have been very um, strongly advocating for that safety. When you mentioned that you're working with CVAC to ensure that the partners or the street sweepers are on schedule, are they also um, renting the street sweeper to provide part of the financial support for these, or do they only work in other areas? Can you please elaborate on that collaboration? Yeah, Seabag uh, has been a, a great partner so far. Um, the street sweepers that their vendor currently employ uh, don't have the horsepower, you know, especially to to pick up a lot of the material that's out there. So our crews go out there. They do a lot of the heavy lifting per the agreement. Then their street sweeper is able to come out. Uh, but they, they come out every two weeks. So we rented a street sweeper to come in and fill in that gap in between uh, their services. Councilmember Truby. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chavez. Um, what's, what I find most interesting is that uh, the palm mulch, that seems to have been a great success there on Dinosaur. You say you've utilized about 500 tons to date. Uh, how much and where do you plan to use it in the future? I, I, it was Dinosaur and Monterey. I mean, I'm sorry, Monterey was one section, Frank Sinatra was the other. Where do you plan to use it in the future and how much? Uh, we're continuing, uh, we want to continue to use it on Dinosaur Drive, specifically uh, north of the Genesis uh, development. Uh, we're fighting the sand there. We have reached out to the uh, SA Organics uh, who, are, who are supplying the palm mulch. Fortunately, they don't have enough right now, but as soon as they get it, they're going to um, install it. And they basically install it free of charge, so there's no reason not to utilize it. And can that be used in lieu of the wind fencing? It, it's a it's a, a double whammy. We want to use both. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Nastante. Gina. Mayor, Ms. Um, Chavez, uh, I, I think. Yeah, the uh, photos. It's so visual. All all the sand, and it's it almost. Is there anything new that's coming out that could be a ground cover that wouldn't be an exorbitant price in terms of bring uh, uh, the sand to stop it from blowing? I, I think I got the gist of the question, and um, we yeah. we are focusing on palm mulch. Um, the supplier is um, basically giving it to us, so. Uh, can't uh, free we can't argue with free uh, but we are also uh, performing preventative maintenance um, I think part of the issue uh, that we've encountered is that some of these um, areas um, because we haven't had agreements with property owners we are also reaching out to property owners they've given up, they've given us permission to go on uh, not only um, address our right-of-way but also if we spill over onto their property to kind of move sand out of the way because with below sand it's really hard to draw a line in the middle of a dune we either have to um, do one section or do the whole thing um, it, and it's very hard just to do one little section because it's just going to keep flowing over like a river so mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if I answered completely answer your question well, I guess I guess that is there anything better than the, the palm mulch because it's it hasn't shown to be as effective as well. I know we're dealing with, with Mother Nature. Uh, right now, we're also gluing, basically soil stabilizing. It's kind of like an Elmer's glue. We're incorporating that method and also uh, installing wind fence. Um, working with other municipalities, those are the three best um, methods that uh, 
that are being employed to tackle this uh, sand issue. Okay, thank you. Uh, Councilmember Arnick. Thank you, and thank you for the presentation. And you know, the, the one thing you didn't mention is there are people that go out there with, we have them out there with yeah. shovels in some of the worst of weather, and I guess we have the wind as a demonstration right now with what we're dealing with. But in that this is not going anyway, anywhere, that I-10 corridor is, is subject to the Venturi effect, and it always has been and it always will be, and that's a sand transfer area. All the things we're doing will diminish the amount of sand, but it's never going to negate it entirely. So my question is, does it make sense for us to at one point and I'm saying this out of uh, total ignorance of the cost of what a street sweeper would be. Does it make sense for us to have our own street sweeper? And you don't have to answer that. It's just something out there that maybe we can explore. We can take a look at this. Um, I, I, if you don't mind, I'll answer it. Please. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, we rented one. Uh, we, uh, as kind of as a trial basis, it helped out tremendously with the, the crew. Uh, like you mentioned, they're out there with shovels and wheelbarrows and tractors. One street super will go and do the work of, you know, 10 guys in a matter of minutes. So um, it's, it's very invaluable. So that's something that um, we'll continue to work with a director and uh, CM in the future to see how we could budget for that in the near future. And I think it's important for everyone who lives out there to understand this isn't going to stop ever because of the Venturi effect. And that just happens. That's, that is Mother Nature, as Councilmember Nastandi said earlier. And... We all get alerts and we see Indian Canyon is closed again and again and again. And it's because of blow sand. And it's because of those natural occurring winds. And we're never going to stop that blow sand because of the multi-species habitat protection plan. I think I got, no, I got it out of order. But conservation protection plan. So it's never going to stop. It's how well we can deal with what we're, we're, we're being served. So Absolutely. thank There's you for all the efforts. and. Great job. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, in, refers, in reference to the, the glue that, that is used, how safe is that for our plants and wildlife? Just last week I was at, a, at an event at the UCR Palm Desert campus and met folks that are part of the, the conservation efforts and they go out there and count lizards, for example. So how is that uh, safer for our wildlife and plant ecology versus the, the mulch? It's, it's essentially Elmer's glue is what they've told me. Um, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, nothing is 100% safe um, in that regards. If, you know, we cover plant material uh, with a glue, it, it may choke out the plant material. Um, however, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's used uh, profis uh, profusely, so it's not toxic. But like any anything you apply, there's always going to be some type of, you know, detriment. Yeah. And my last uh, um suggestion is you've mentioned that you're reaching out to uh, Cal State San Bernardino's Palm Desert campus for um, 
for support. I know that the UCR School of Medicine, when they had one of their forums on the Salton Sea, they had someone who was doing PhD research on the meteorology of windstorms. So perhaps that's something that we could use in terms of looking at not only just when the Weather Service says something is coming, but to look at how some of those patterns are directly um, used in this city to see how we can mitigate some best practices. Yes, yeah, definitely Thank an all-hands-on-deck uh, endeavor. Thank, Thank you. you so much. You. Anything else? Not at this time. Mayor and council member reports and requests for action, uh, starting with council member Truby. All right, just two small items to report uh, in the last couple of weeks. The um, actually, before I was elected to uh, city council, I lived right in the kind of Magnesia Falls area. And um, for years, years ago, probably five, six years ago, I noticed there was an old uh, concrete stand that was put there for a flagpole, and there was a plaque there that said, um, dedicated on Flag Day 1976. And it was, I, was, I told myself, I said, if I ever get to city council, I'm gonna make sure that thing gets uh, put back on up. And so it was one of my little small pet projects. And sure enough, I just approached Todd with it, and without any further word, he and the staff went ahead and uh, you may have noticed the new flag pull up there at Magnesia Falls. They restored the plaque, and I'm just uh, so proud of city staff for, for honoring that. And, and um, it's important to me to kind of honor our history and, and kind of honor what the city councils in the past had done and, and restore it. So thank you so much to city staff for that. And I did participate in that putt-putt on El Paseo for the first time ever. And it was a terrific way to get to know all the, all the retailers on El Paseo. And um, I'm very proud of the city staff. I believe they won an award. I don't want to give away the, if that was maybe a later mention. But anyway, so the city staff won an award there, and it was just a great experience all around. Thank you to the Chamber of Commerce for that. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Harnick. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to mention, although we had in our study session a preview of the community park in uh, the north side of the city, and we've been working on that so long, and we we had the presentation at the Resource Preservation and Enhancement Committee meeting a couple days ago, and it was great to see what an amazing project this is turning out to be, and so much community input has gone into it, and it's been a, a, a work in progress, and it's wonderful to see the result. I also wanted to compliment uh, the city team on the banners on San Pablo. They look terrific, and... Um, Thank you for putting those there. They make San Pablo its own special place. It gives a sense of, of, of a sense of place. So, and it's it's nice to see, and it's always wonderful to see all the American flags on El Paseo. So, I that's what I've got. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Thank you very much, Madam Mayor. Um, in following up with the same comment about the park this week in our Cultural Arts Committee, we had the opportunity to review some of that and it was a great feedback, great enthusiasm. And we also um, this week had the meeting for the selection of our Poet Laureate and came up with some of the basic rubric of what that will entail. So if you know anybody that lives in the city of Palm Desert um, that would be interested in that, any writers, anybody that's interested Interested, nudge them and encourage them to apply. There is still time, and I know, Amy, if you can let us know when the deadline for submission. 
The deadline for submission is June 30th. So at the end of the month, we still have time. And um, this morning I was at the uh, California League of Cities. I serve on the environmental uh, policy, uh, environmental quality policy committee. And it was great to be able to hear where a lot of the cities had concerns about how do we comply with SB 1383, the composting law, or how do we comply with X, Y, and Z. And I got to stand up there and say, we're already working on that. We were one of the early adopters of SB 1383 and saying if, if you want some help, here's what we did with Burtech and feel free to reach out to our city because Palm Desert likes to set the bar. So that I was very proud of that. And in following up with the um, comment that Council Member Truby made about the flag, I'd like to nudge our city manager with the request that we can maybe get an update on the flag that we have up here. The 4th of July is coming up, so it would be nice to have a sparkly brand new one. Council Member Nastande. Um, no comments this evening, Mayor, thank you. I will report that uh, Council Member Arnick and I are privileged to serve together on the community advisory panel uh, for the new student center at CSUSB Palm Desert Campus, uh, for which your city uh, successfully uh, secured a commitment from the state of $79 million. That's the first public expenditure uh, for that campus. And the planning process, thankfully, um, is quite far along. I intended to bring two visual aids to share tonight, but I failed to do that. So come back next month and I'll bring the visual aids. Uh, which brings us to non-agenda public comments. Uh, quite a few of you have asked to speak about something on the agenda. I'll give you a chance to do that when we get uh, to your item. Uh, so this is simply the time for folks who want to call our attention to something which is not on the agenda. You have up to three minutes, and uh, because of the requirement of the matters we discuss are in the public notice, we won't be able to go into depth in a response, uh, but we might request staff for some follow-up. Uh, would you please give technical instructions to our Zoomers? For those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining by calling in on your phone, please dial star nine to raise your hand. And when called upon, press star six to unmute yourself. Please keep your comments to no more than three minutes. Thank you. And may we hear uh, from Michael McDaniel.
Good afternoon, Madam Mayor, Council, City staff and guests. I'm Michael McDaniel, Director of Donor Recruitment for Lifestream Blood Bank. I wanted to provide a brief status on our current blood supply and let you know that we have the Nine Cities Challenge coming up. Uh, this year we decided to go with a bucket hat instead of a t-shirt. Uh, so I hope the residents uh, of the area love it. Uh, we certainly do. That challenge runs from July 1st through August 31st. Last year, if you remember, we set a record for 1,185 pints collected. This year, we are ambitious and going for 1,500. I am also happy to report that we now have five days of blood on hand. Mm -hmm. We have not had that since 2019. In fact, this time last year when I addressed the council, we had less than a day of critical blood on hand. So we have uh, been doing better with our collection efforts. We've also been importing blood from outside of the state of California uh, while it is low priced. Um, we do predict that that will end sometime mid-July. Uh, I do wanna call attention to one blood type, which is the universal donor, O negative. We are out of O negative. Um, we have eight pints that are currently going through the lab. Those will be used tomorrow morning, uh, shortly before 10 a.m. Um, and we have a no, an Oneg liver scheduled for this weekend, and that liver will probably use between 30 and 40 pints. Um, we are currently unable to support that patient. So um, if you are an Oneg donor or you know some, please encourage them to donate. I would be happy to answer any questions you may have about the blood supply or the Nine Cities Challenge. Thank you so much for raising awareness. We've got quite a few people here, so hopefully a few are all negative. I hope so. Thank you so much. Leslie Miller. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'll be as brief as possible. Uh, when I came to my house this last couple of days ago, I found this notice on my doorknob which has one box checked, tree removal. <laughs> Panic sets in. I have been working on my row of ficus trees to protect and beautify my property for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. Um, when I bought the property, uh, poles and wires were obvious. I immediately offered the city or the Southern California Edison, whatever it would take, whatever money it would take to remove them. I was told $50,000, but it didn't remove the pole. It just removed the wires. I'd like to restate that offer because the last thing in the world I want is my ficus hedge, which protects, beautifies, safeguards my property, uh, really above all ele other elements. It, I mean, I would say more important than the house itself. Uh, and I would be willing to negotiate whatever. Immediately upon the purchase, however, I did instigate and work with a very nice lady named Mary Lee Colton. Some of you know her. I think Kathleen, you do. Um, and we immediately got all the owners in our neighborhood notice of the problems to do with the, well, the current climate changes, but the poles and wires. We got the requisite number of signatures. We um, got permission, and that was 10 years ago. <laughs> okay, it's been a delay of two years, then three years, then four years, then before the pandemic. Then it's been scheduled and scheduled to have the poles and wires taken down. 
that effort is still ongoing. I believe the last date was April, and that date passed. So here we are at this late date with a notice. And meanwhile, my and also I did everything I could with respect to planting the ficus. I complied with all ordinances. Their um, Mueller Nursery was really supervised it. They're about. I can't remember if it's 30 or 35, but also cypress tree that was very, this very continues to be very important to me for personal reasons, blocking the pole. Uh, also, we changed the transformer uh, so as to minimize the uh, any danger of uh, fire. Um, I, I'll do whatever's whatever it takes, except I don't want my trees down. I hardly need to remind you of the importance of trees, all uh, carbon monoxide and the climate change and so forth. Let's do whatever we can to preserve those trees and to compromise to avoid damages. I did just hear your sand, sand story. And um, oh, and by the way, in Newport Beach, we solved the pole and wire problem in two years. And so this 10-year time frame is very upsetting to me. Uh, we have a I'm time, afraid we're a time over problem. time. Could, could I just ask you this? Is that notice from the city or from Edison? Thank you, Kathleen. It is from Southern California Edison, and I have spoken directly with Ryan, who is with the city, yes. and, and I'm working with him. I just want to state my full compliance, my full willingness to work with the city of Palm Desert to do whatever we can to speed it up. I've been, Excellent. Uh, Excellent. And to you know preserve what we can. And incidentally, the, the sand dune problem was solved. I have to cut you okay. off, Leslie, Round so that I'm fair to everyone. <laughs> okay. But I'm confident Ryan will Please. follow Thank you. Up. Thank you. Um, ground, cover, ground cover on sand dunes works <laughs> on the sand problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, any non-agenda public comment? Yes. Uh, one speaker, Matt Stafford. Mike Stafford. Good afternoon, Madam Mayor, Council. Um, I want to bring your attention to a construction activity that's occurring on the corner of Dinosaur and Portola. Uh, I live in the Genesis development here in North Palm Desert, and I think the work is associated with the new median that's being put in, which is beautiful, by the way. But anyway, this work um, has happened three times in as many weeks. Uh, the work is starting around 11 o'clock at night, and it's going through the wee hours in the morning up until 4 a.m. Uh, when the first occurrence of this occurred about a month ago, I um, put a notation in on the city's app, and the feedback was that it was a one-time occurrence that would, um, you know, uh, occur to minimize impacts to traffic. Well, subsequent to that, it's happened two additional times, and last night was clearly the worst that it ever has been. Um, you can imagine trying to sleep. All my bedrooms face the west side, and so it's immediately adjacent to that. So I'm hearing the beep, beep, beep of the equipment backing up, and then, of course, the grinding noise of the asphalt that they're working on. You can hear the workers talk out there, loading their equipment. 
I just don't understand why there's so much disrespect coming from that. I understand that it's associated with uh, the water district. But what I would propose the council to do is reach out to them and come up, if it doesn't exist, come up with some communication protocol that, one, make sure the city is aware of what's going on. Because I understand in feedback I got from Martin Alvarez that the city didn't even know anything about this occurrence that happened last night. So I'm, I'm not sure if they're getting the proper permits. But the point is, as a resident here, I'm not getting any notification of it. And I'm losing sleep, and it's freaking my dogs out to hear that activity going before o'clock in the morning. So I really would appreciate if the council would would make someone in public um, public works address this with the water district to ensure that number one it stops. I don't understand why they got to do the work in the in those hours. But if it does need to occur, that some sort of notice is given to us so we can either go to a different bedroom, go to a hotel, or something while that work is occurring. Thank you very much for letting me, me uh, talk. Uh, thank you, Mr. Stafford. We appreciate that report. And Mr. Eilman, can you please follow up and let the council know what's possible to do to address this? Yes, staff is in the process of uh, working with them right now. Thank you. Anything else? No other speakers, Madam Mayor. Uh, which brings us to the consent calendar. Do any council members wish to remove something from consent? I wish to remove item U. U as in umbrella? Yes, U as umbrella. Okay. Anything else? Madam Mayor, staff would like to remove item 1S related to courtesy carts from the agenda, and it'll come back at the next meeting. Okay. Uh, is there a motion to approve everything except U and S? I will move the balance of the consent calendar. And is there a second? I will second that. Uh, do we need to take yes. oral vote? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Councilmember Harnick? Yes. Councilmember Nestandi? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla? Aye. Councilmember Truby? Yes. Mayor Kelly? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Uh, item U, uh, did you wish a staff report or simply wish to make a comment? I simply wish to make the comment to express the gratitude of um, staff for, for working with um, with the Coachella Valley Mountains Conservancy and just the great impact that their financial contribution will make not only on the city but for years to come. So it is with deep gratitude that I pull the item just to give thanks. Yes, thank you for doing that. This is terrific news during the study session. We heard bold reports for a community park adjacent to Genesis and uh, staff and our consultant were able to secure a substantial grant uh, toward uh, trees in, in particular uh, for that location. So did you wish to move to approve? I move to approve. I'll second that. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. 
And moving to the action calendar for discussion, item 2A is approve outside agency funding for fiscal year 2023-24. Ms. Chavez. Good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of City Council. Each year, the City awards um, funding designed to support nonprofits, schools, and community-based organizations that provide for unmet needs or services to the residents of Palm Desert. The outside agency committee met on May 30th to review the 26 applications submitted. 25 applications were approved in the total amount of $183,450 for fiscal year 23-24 by the committee. The one entity that was not approved did not have a presence in Palm Desert. Funds for this purpose have been included in the 23-24 financial plan. Um, that concludes my report. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Questions from council? Any public comment? No public comment. Um, thank you for that report. For everyone's knowledge, uh, this is the vehicle through which the city provides substantial support uh, for some after-school programs at several of our school campuses, as well as critical work at other nonprofits. Is there a motion? I move to approve item A as presented. I second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nistandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2B. Uh, provide staff direction to proceed with alternative design options for Loop and Plaza project, project number CST 00015. And I will take the staff report before public comment. Go ahead. Will this is, be? Is, is Eric online? In? Okay. All right, good evening, Mayor, members of the City Council, Eric Seha, Director of Community uh, of Economic Development. I'm just loading up a PowerPoint here so we can discuss uh, options related to Lupin Plaza. So uh, just some history, Lupin Plaza was installed during COVID-19, uh, but was removed in December 2021. The Council did set up an eight-person subcommittee to review design options, and ultimately two design options were presented to the City Council. One of those proposals was for a slow street or flexible plaza, uh, but ultimately council did approve the full permanent closure of Lupin Lane uh, with a permanent plaza space. The plan here shows that permanent uh, plaza space with a full street closure between El Paseo and then the driveway uh, to the west there, uh, to the north. A new gateway structure was proposed. There's enhanced pavement that's part of this plan. Uh, there's new shade trees, water features, seating, benches, lighting, uh, even a restroom. Um, and we have a contract now with InterWest for the design um, and CEQA study for the, these improvements. 
But what we continue to hear and we continue to engage with the surrounding property owners and businesses who are very concerned about the plaza's impact on their business, uh, particularly related to loading, uh, passenger um, and um, patron uh, ability to access the site um, and concerns with the, the overall use for that plaza space. So we, we've continually engaged with them uh, to see what they might support. Um, you've seen petitions from them protesting the full closure. Uh, they have actually come and met with us. Uh, they are in favor of a more of a slow street plan, uh, which was one of the options that was presented to city council originally. These improvements more or less mimic the improvements that are now on San Pablo Avenue. It's about bringing out that sidewalk space and narrowing, narrowing the travel lanes, still installing landscape uh, and new shade trees, but it does preserve vehicle access, both the ability to move north and south. Um, and to uh, preserve the loading uh, zones that are there. If count, and today staff is here seeking council's direction uh, to, uh, for the slow street and wanted to present that this would reduce our project scope. It would still enhance the corridor for pedestrians and users of this area. The business owners and property owners in the area support this plan um, and would reduce the cost and timeline to uh, move forward with this project. So staff is recommending uh, that we move forward with an alternative design for a slow street um, and that the city manager and finance director have the authority to move forward with the amendments uh, as well as the budget allocation for this plan. That concludes my report. I can answer any questions you may have. Uh, let me take public comment from Josie uh, Olsner. Good afternoon. Um, I am on the building uh, Cobal El Paseo. It is right on the corner from the plaza, and we are very much affected by this idea. Uh, we take issue with that it was a success. To us, living next to the plaza when it was there was not a success. It was very little used, a lot of garbage, and a lot of homeless people who use it. So we are terribly against closing Lupine because we need access from El Paseo into our driveway, you know, and we cannot send the customers all the way around to go to the alley in the back, which is in terrible shape. So we would support the, the slow street if you don't close the street and not the, the full, uh, full closure. It's, uh, it, that would be a real disaster for, for all of us. Now, in my building, we have 12 owners. They're not all here tonight for whatever reason. Um, nobody is in favor of full closure. Then I know we did a petition last year and there was 39 businesses with 70 signatures, all from the area, who also were against the Lupine Plaza street closure. So I just wanted to see if you can keep that in mind, you know, when you vote. And we hope that you vote for the option one, the slow street. That is a, you know, a compromise. We would prefer you do nothing, you know, that's obviously we don't, we don't see a problem there, but uh, the full closure would be disastrous. So we, we, our building would say, if you do the, you know, the streets still open and whatever, that's number one is, we would agree to that. Thank you. Okay. Any public comment from online participants? Uh, we have one at this moment, a PG. Can you, can you hear me? This is Paul Goodman speaking. Yes, we can hear you. Yes, I represent Allied District Properties. We own El Paseo Square, and uh, we also echo 
the comments made by that uh, lady. Uh, all the businesses that are in El Paseo Square are against a closing off of Lubine. We, uh, for a variety of reasons, and for a long time, we've been trying to get the attention of the, the city uh, to focus on the interests of uh, all uh, businesses that are going to be impacted. And um, it, it's nice to hear that um, it, it's finally not landing on deaf ears, but people are going to be taking uh, some uh, attention uh, and focusing on this. Um, if money is going to be spent, if the city does uh, insist on spending public money on uh, on doing this work, uh, close uh, on 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 installing a plaza, uh, even to a slow street, um, then then we do uh, approve the plan that is going to open up uh, both uh, sides of the street for vehicular access, especially for Saks or Fifth. Uh, which uh, you've you've already received a letter from uh, management that has said that they are uh, very much against this. Um, they are our anchor tenant, and they would be very deeply impacted by it. So we appreciate the city, uh, you know, reconsidering this plan. Um, again, if public money is going to be spent on doing any work on this on this street, um, we we uh, definitely would like the city to. Uh, work on the plan that opens and keeps the street open for vehicular access. Thank you. And we have uh, one more speaker, Kathy Green. I'm unmuted. I apologize. I, I work with Paul, so I, I won't keep everybody too long. I just wanted to thank the council for taking a second look at this and for listening to the surrounding businesses, as Paul said. So thank you for, for taking another look at this. And one more speaker, Samuel Heaton. Hello, I'm Sam Heaton. I'm with Coda Gallery on the corner of Lupin Lane in El Paseo. And we're very happy that the city council is now listening to our objections. And if there is going to be a loop, a permanent Lupin Plaza, we support the idea of a slow street. The most critical thing is not to close Lupin Plaza to through traffic. Thank you very much. I appreciate everything. No other speakers, Madam Mayor. Thank you. Any questions for staff? Councilmember Arnick. Thank you. I just want to be abundantly clear. I want to have no question in my mind that this uh, option of the concept one, which we're putting forward today, keeps clear the loading dock for Coda as well as Saks. It does. Okay, thank you, that's all I needed. Uh, discussion. 
Council has spent quite a good time, with quite a good deal of time with this, so the choices are clear. Councilmember Troopy and then Councilmember Nistande. Well, I just want to, it seems like the plans have, um, the original plan as proposed was almost like a, a, a park, a full street closure as it was proposed originally a year or two ago. Now we've got sort of uh, the two-way op option one with the two-way street traffic looks to me almost like a more like a street beautification. Would that be correct to characterize it that way? I mean, and, and how we plan to use that, I would just like to know how we plan to use that street moving forward. Would we still want to, the city still want to have events there? So uh, like I this. think both of those are perhaps overgeneralizations. <laughs> I can say for myself that from the beginning, uh, my goal has been to create a shaded place of respite uh, for people on the north side of the street. Because some years ago, when the Gibbs study was performed to give us input about El Paseo, uh, a key takeaway was that the extra sun on the north side of the street was dissuading people from spending as much time there as they might, optimally. Uh, so my goal was to create a shaded, pleasant place of respite uh, that might keep um, shoppers on the north side of the street for the benefit of businesses and Option one, which has the support of the adjoining businesses, certainly does that. Yes, uh, let me get Councilmember Nestante first and then Mayor Pro Tem. Yes, uh, thank you, Mayor. Yes, I did serve on the, the subcommittee when we had several meetings. And, you know, I really was trying to listen to all the business owners and the experts and the, the council at the time. And I, my, my whole goal, and I can hopefully speak for, for the city council, we always are trying to do what is best for the community, including the El Paseo business owners. And, uh, it was not my intent when I did vote for the complete closure to any in any way negatively affect the El Paseo businesses. My, my goal was and is to always support our El Paseo businesses and the community. And uh, compromise is, is a good thing. And I believe we have that here now with, with, this, with this latest option, and I hope it's approved. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I always love seeing a lot of um, engagement from our residents and our business owners. And I know that a lot of folks were writing in and saying, why aren't you listening to us? Why are you not responding? Well, it was a complex issue and we needed to have staff have time to figure out the middle ground. So thank you for your patience. In the meantime that you thought we were not responding or ignoring, we were allowing our brilliant staff to help craft the best plan moving forward. And I'm very happy to hear that um, our stakeholders are, are pleased with our options moving forward. So thank you very much for your patience because democracy works best when we get involved. So thank you. Was that a motion? I happily make the motion, Madam Mayor. 
to approve. I'll second it. Uh, and the motion is to approve staff's recommendation. That is correct. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item 2C is request for direction regarding the Palm Desert Library. Mayor and Council, Chris Escobedo, Assistant City Manager. Uh, next slide, please. Mayor and Council, this item has been moving through the process. It was first May 2nd, uh, went to the Parks and Rec Commission with a recommendation to Council on May 11th, uh, where there was ample discussion about the direction of the municipal system, but the need to find questions to the financials. So staff has been working since then to work with the county, uh, specifically looking at the financial breakdown of either remaining with the county system or withdrawing. Next slide. So I'll give a quick recap and I'll show, share some charts that show options either with remaining or withdrawing, but essentially in discussions with the county, uh, they've offered to work to increase service levels from the existing allotment of property tax they received from Pro Palm Desert property owners. They've also indicated that uh, they're willing to partner with the city in a P3 type model for a new public library in the city. Additionally, we've identified that there's $4 million that were set aside uh, in a capital fund that are also available. Uh, so if the county, that's kind of the breakdown with the city, uh, the biggest question is if we withdrew, how much of the property tax would be redirected directly for city service provision? And of the total amount, $2.6 million estimated uh, annually would be redirected to, to the city specifically for library services. We asked the question of the county, uh, that $4 million that's set aside that the, the county currently house, uh, holds, if the city withdrew, then would we be able to utilize that funds for a new library? County staff has expressed their willingness that if the city withdrew, those four million would come to the city as well for facility improvements. Next slide. Here's a quick chart, uh, essentially, of the current. Currently, there's several agreements since 1987 that have essentially made up the contributions to this library improvement fund. Right now, 4.6 million annually goes into that fund for the provision of service. So the money is from Palm Desert property owners. Um, it gets spent here in Palm Desert, but also gets distributed throughout the county system. The city doesn't have any uh, control over those finances or any access to them. They're simply held for the county and bound by the arrangements since 1987. The current library expense from the, for the Palm Desert facility, the county has indicated that it is approximately 1.5 million. But if the city council would withdraw from the system, then we would essentially be receiving 2.6 annually going forward. Um, and the biggest difference for 4.6 to 2.6 is essentially we're withdrawing from all those agreements. Um, this is a direct amount. And the, the state has an ERAF um, factor in place where a portion of property tax is taken away from the cities and goes into education fund. Our, our amount is higher than the county's, so that's also a reason why we would get a lesser amount than the current 4.6. Next slide. 
So again, back on the capital improvement funds, I'm showing here the four million that would be set aside. Additionally, since dissolution, uh, there's $674,000 that's currently sitting in a city fund. So those funds are also um, dedicated for facility improvements. So combined, that would be capital available for facility improvements. Next slide. So essentially, kind of laying out the options here, if the city were to remain with the county, we had a really successful and productive meeting with the LSNI uh, staff CEO. Uh, they are now fully staffed. They have an interim librarian, and they have made their commitments to work on service enhancements. We would need to work with the task force to look at what would the service improvements be needed there at the facility, uh, turn those service requests to the county. The county would then issue us a proposal that we would we would uh, need to agree to uh, that would outline the amount of additional revenue that would go towards the Pompous facility as well as specific service improvements that are being sought for. Next slide. If the city were to withdraw, we would need to proceed uh, very quickly on all fronts between now and the end of this calendar year on concluding the legal analysis to those agreements. Uh, the council would have to approve a formal notice to withdrawal and establish a municipal uh, library board, which the council would be the, the members of, uh, negotiate with the county the full details of the withdrawal, and then look at, with the task force, what the service plan, what the service models would look like for the new facility. Next slide. So essentially, that concludes my report. Staff is seeking council direction. I'm available for any questions. Um, I have no request to speak. Is there any public comment? Could, no, could, no public comment, Madam Mayor. Could you put that last yes. slide back up? I do have a quick question. Am I correct that the major policy choice that you would like us to make tonight uh, is between remaining with the county system or withdrawing. Uh, expecting, for example, that if we were to withdraw, um, staff and the task force uh, could do additional work and analysis to inform our decision-making about those sub-choices. Yes, that's correct. So you want us to indicate if we have a preference between the two major bullets. Correct. Okay. Other questions? Looks like we're ready for no. I, I, I have one. Because we talk about we have the two major bullets, but I think it's important that we look at the sub bullets. And when we go to the bottom one and it says withdraw and establish city library system, to do so would mean ultimately we have the short term, I think we need to understand what this means yes. fully. When it says short term lease with college, 
Currently, we're sitting on that, that library that was built through funds that Palm Desert put forward is sitting on state land. And they will always have control. And because of some of the machinations that came later with that uh, formula, uh, we will always sit on state land and will limit our decision making because of that. And that in and of itself is a motivator to withdraw and establish a city library system because to cut the ties that we are held back with, with the state by sitting on their dirt is critical to really create the library that we see as a vision that will kind of be, hopefully, maybe it'll be in the center of our city, at the new regional park or something like that. It would be an asset to everybody and could be really as great as it should be. So I, I want to make that clear because we are in a three way contract, county, state, and city. And it's pretty convoluted. So whatever we have to do, and by looking at the bullets as presented, uh, in order to leave that state site, the college site, we would need to withdraw and establish a city library system. Is that accurate? That would be accurate. Thank you. Let me hear from others, Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I feel that it's important to provide to um, our guests present and those that have not been following the issue that if we should depart and no longer be um, at COD, it would benefit us because of all of the deferred maintenance that they have let go that we would then be responsible for. So in order to be able to pick a new site, it would be very beneficial for us. It's not something that we're just going to flip a coin tonight. We've had a lot of information, previous study sessions, and ultimately we want to ensure that we have the best quality possible and agreed being able to place something in a more central location, accessible to a lot of the, the family for housing, the housing for families that's coming on board, and our new Cal State, this would be a great opportunity for research, great opportunity to be a, a resource overall. So I believe that there's more to consider than is simplified on these bullets, but overall it is in the best investment of the city to take control of this and ensure that we are using our funding at its maximum impact to our community and guests. Councilmember Truby, I know this issue is near and dear to yeah. your heart. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much. I, I love the idea of a standalone library. I'm ordinarily an advocate for uh, our position as a contract city with the sheriffs and, and fire. I think that makes sense there where we, we have a, we um, avoid a lot of liability associated with those two services. However, with a library, I think we stand way more to gain uh, by running it as a municipal run library. Uh, just the numbers. We will go from a $1.5 million budget to $2.6 million per year that we can put towards services. We'll at least extract $4 million from the county to uh, build our own standalone library. That's a huge plus. 
And I think that's a great opportunity, as was mentioned previously, as our population starts to skew north and the growth happens in the north part of our city, we can think about placing a library that services a greater, is closer and more convenient uh, to a greater percentage of the population. So to me, there's no question uh, for withdrawal and establish a city library system. I've, I've been an advocate of that from the get-go as soon as I learned uh, how the current contract was working when I came on to uh, council. So I'm a wholehearted yes for that option. I agree with everything that has been said. And I will simply add this. Um, I want to express appreciation uh, to the county and their current contractor for their responsiveness in the course of this process. And if we do embark in the direction we are signaling, uh, we are going to need a considerable amount of additional collaboration. Uh, so I do want to affirm the collaboration that has happened so far and our appreciation for that. The bottom line is that because of our city's growth um, and the overwhelming maintenance needs of this building, the timing is right uh, to launch a more robust effort to serve our residents of the sort that would be enabled by withdrawing and establishing our own system. So who, yes. I, something, I, 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 I did want to mention on the mayor's uh, comments, I have complete and the highest level of respect for the current county administration and everything they've done to work with us. I genuinely appreciate it, and they have been gracious and generous in all of their efforts, so I do want to acknowledge that. Council Member Nostande. Well, I believe my fellow council members have already spoken and, and shared my, my uh, uh, thoughts as well. I am very supportive of this becoming the City of Palm Desert's uh, library, and uh, so I don't need to repeat what's been said. So would you like to make a motion to endorse withdrawing and establishing uh, a Palm Desert Municipal Library System? It's, that sounded like a motion, but I'll go ahead and formally say I make a motion to form the uh, a municipal city-owned library, the Palm Desert City Library. I would like to second that. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nistendi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Um, my intention is to take one more item and then have a brief break. Uh, item 2D is approve amended and restated disposition development and loan agreement related resolutions, loans in the amount of $3,425,000 and $3,330,000 respectively from the city and the authority 
and actions related to the conveyance of the parcels identified as APN 694120028 and a portion of 694120029 and here's the good part, affordable housing. Ms. Gonzalez. Good evening. Uh, Jessica Gonzalez, Housing Manager in the Economic Development Department. Uh, Honorable Mayor, uh, member of the City Council and Authority Board. The request before you um, is related, excuse me, is related to the city-owned property consisting of 10.49 acres. It is a portion, uh, it is the full parcel um, listed on the map. Um, 10 acres and a portion of the adjoining uh, parcel ending in 029. The full conveyance is of 10.49 acres to Palm Communities for the purpose of constructing 239 affordable housing units and two property units on site. The property is located off of Gerald Ford between Dinosaur Shore, Shore and uh, Technology Drive. Um, the purpose of the amendment to the disposition, development, and loan agreement approved in October 2022 is to allow the project to receive the maximized opportunity of funding award from the additional funding sources being seeked by the developer Palm Communities. Oops, apologize, I went too fast. Um, before you here is a table highlighting the proposed changes to the terms that are now included in the amended and restated uh, DDLA before you for approval. Um, to start, um, the proposed changes is to develop the property or the uh, community being proposed for affordable housing as one face. It will consist of uh, now reserving 24 units uh, for victims of domestic violence. The city um, will be providing a, a $3,425,000 carryback loan for the purchase price. The authority loan is, will now be reduced to $3,330,000. The developer will be paying a $10,000 annual monitoring fee for the monitoring and compliance of both the city and authority loan. Um, and in funding sources, they are now seeking an additional um, source through the California State Department Housing and Community Development under the uh, Multifamily uh, Housing Program Loan. The additional term um, being included to the DDLA that is being modified is the closing requirement um, that currently is approved for them to complete the um, funding and um, escrow closing by June 30th, 2024 to June 30th, 2026 with a provision included that provides the city manager the right to terminate um, should the funding sources are not secured by December 30th, 2024. Staff is available for any questions as well as Julie Romy with KMA, our consultant, and Dan Horn with uh, Palm Community. Questions from council? Uh, yes, Mayor Pro Tem. 
Thank you, Madam Mayor. This morning, at the as, as mentioned, at the League of Cities um, committee, a lot of the conversation took place on housing. And one of the points that was brought up of how difficult it has been for developers to qualify for the funds, given the number of people that are applying, how likely would it be, and I know I'm asking you to look into a magic eight ball, is this something that could be easily qualified for? Are we projecting on the assumption that they would get it, or is it something that would be challenging to procure and we're moving forward on a hope? Um, at this moment in time, it is very hard to project um, because there are different guidelines that are established and have not yet been established for some of the funding sources, such as the um, tax credit um, funding application that they will be seeking in, the, in January 2024. At this moment, um, we have worked with the developer based on some of the, ones, the guidelines we are aware to maximize that opportunity. Uh, we have a request for public comment from Dan Horn. Good afternoon, Mayor Kelly and, and council members. I want to thank you uh, for your continued support of this project. Uh, in order to address uh, council member Quintanilla's uh, question, the, the funding is competitive. Uh, we've typically been very successful. In fact, we're closing between this between now and the end of the year, three different projects with a total build out of $150 million. So my, my firm over the years has been quite successful at being able to restructure uh, projects to, to get the funding. The purpose of, of, of the revamp of the DDLA was to maximize out our score for the secondary funding that we're going th going for, the secondary financing that we're going for with the state. The state changes its rules annually for each one of the funding sources. They change the tax credit rules, they change the rules for the MHP, they change the rules for the MIP funding, they change rules constantly. And so it's a, it's a shifting battle every year to revamp the funding structures that you do have so that you are most competitive for the other funding. We're not really including, increasing any funding from the city. What we've done is recharacterized the funding so that we can maximize out our score for the competition for the other funding sources. So, and that's, that's this is kind of an ongoing, an ongoing issue for affordable developers. Um, I want to thank the staff for their efforts in the last the last meeting that we had. It there was quite a there, the the city had two lawyers on the on the on the Zoom call. They had four or five staff members, and then I had my attorney and myself and two of my staff members to kind of hash through the last of the the issues and be able to come to a resolution that you have in front of you today. And um, it was quite a bit of work, but it, it's going to allow us, I believe, to maximize out our, our score for the MHP funds. Uh, we have come to a signed agreement with uh, Shelter from the Storm in order to, for them to provide the services for the uh, clientele base that they will refer to us. 
that's also part of the scoring mechanism that we get for the, for the MHP financing. Um, I'm here to answer any other questions that you may have. And again, thank you, the council and the staff for their efforts to bring this to this position. Mayor Pro Tem. Thank you. And do we might know by any chance how close you were? And again, I, I know that that's hard to project in terms of how many um, applicants there were to see how, how were you razor thin margin or is it something that's difficult to tell? The submittal is not until July 12th. Um, they, they annually basically change the scoring system. So you sit back and you look at your documents and you say, how do I modify these documents to maximize my score over here? And so that's what we did with, with the city staff is to say, here's the language they're looking for. So instead of having a $6.7 million loan, we divided it up and had two loans that totaled the 6.7. So it didn't, because that would maximize out our score. And I can't tell you until we submit, but there's typically, there's typically, you know, anywhere from two to five to one applications for every project that gets funded, in some cases more. But like I said, we've got three deals closing this year. We have uh, basically two 90-unit phases in Wildemar, a first phase and a second phase that will fund, first phase funds either tail end of this month or sometime in July. We have one in Buellton that's gonna fund in July, and then the second phase in, in, in Wildemar will fund in either November or December. And would you consider increasing the number of units that you're collaborating with, with Shelter from the Storm, or potentially making a commitment for um, first level um, apartments designated for individuals with mobility limitations? What, is this something that you would be open to? I don't know. I don't know about that program that you're talking about. The second one, um, the 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 shelter for the storm uh, agreement is based off of maximizing out our score for the for the secondary funding. Uh, I don't know what adding units would do because you have to. If if there's more units that we can get more points for, we might have to go up to a, a lot a much larger number of units and then that would require a different uh, a different level of services that we would have to figure out a way to, to finance. And so I can't commit to something like that right now, but we're, we will do what it takes to maximize out our scores to be successful in getting the funding. Mm -hmm. And, and in terms of the first level, that's not necessarily a program. It was just kind of ideas to see if any of that would potentially buy any goodwill with whoever was, was doing the scoring and, and uh, creating maximum opportunities. And I know that I'm not fully aware of the logistics and the permitting, but just hoping that in, in throwing more, more ideas at the dartboard that show that uh, we're aware of the needs in the community, especially in an area where we know we have a lot of seniors and uh, veterans. So we, I think it's important to be mindful of their needs and whether it's not necessarily through a formal organization like Shelter from the Storm, but to make that commitment to say, we're going to try to reserve X number of space on the first floor that would not impact creating or removing any existing units, but just a extra little bit of gold star of goodwill. I'll, I'll be happy to look into it. Councilmember Arnick. 
Good afternoon. I, I just need to say thank you for hanging in here and going through this process. I know this has been really difficult, and I'm glad we, we've come up with something that looks like it may be viable when it gets to the state and you're dealing with the state. And I thank you so much for choosing Shelter from the Storm. I think that's a worthy organization, and you'll make the difference in many families' lives uh, by offering those units. So thank you for all your effort, and I know it's been a tremendous chore for everyone to try and find something that's going to work in this process. And I thank everybody, and when I say everybody, I mean the team in Palm Desert, your team, for coming up with a formula that looks like it'll work. And again, good for you for using shelter from the storm. Thank you. Was that a motion to approve? Why, yes, it was. Is there a second? I'll second I'll that. second the motion. We have a second and a third. Please take the vote. You barely need to. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Trupe. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank, thank you. And also, I was at a conference re recently where Eric Sejas was on one of the panels. And I want to let you know that he represented this city really, really excellently. Now we won't be able to get his head on the screen. <laughs> uh, but thank you. All right, we're going well, you, to take we're going to take a ten minute break. Come back at uh, six. Um, we will come back to session with item 2E, a further request for direction regarding redistricting options. May we have the staff report? Honorable Mayor and City Council, I'm Anthony Mejia, and we also have Jim Priest with Best Best and Krieger on, on Zoom. On June 8th, 2023, the City Council voted 3-2 to two to authorize the City's legal counsel to contact the plaintiff's attorney relative to transitioning to five single-member districts contingent upon eliminating use of ranked choice voting in future elections. On June 20th, 2023, Attorney Shakeman informed the City Attorney, quote, if the City were to adopt five single-member districts, we would not insist on ranked choice voting being employed in the single-member districts. Furthermore, Attorney Shakeman stated, we do not believe the Fair Maps Act is an impediment because the adoption of a five-district system now would not be a redistricting and would be pursuant to a court judgment. Uh, that being the new information, that concludes the staff report, and I'm available uh, for any questions as well as uh, Mr. Priest. And uh, let's take public comment first. Uh, and we're all getting pretty experienced at this. Uh, so you all remember to 
avoid audible reactions to what anyone has to say, be they a member of the public or a council member. Uh, first up is Debbie Green. Thank you, Mayor and City Council members. I believe the district should be divided as soon as possible for several reasons. The main one is for equal representation. I moved here two years ago from a suburb of St. Louis County, Missouri called Clayton. It is only 2.5 square miles and has a population of nearly 17,000. How is this relevant to the size of Palm Desert? That's because the city of Clayton has a mayor and six aldermen or women. I always knew who my representative was because they were my neighbors. Any issue, great or small, was addressed. The other reason is that expected population growth is not a reason to delay the districting process as stated by the ACLU. They should not be the ones to tell you to comply. Other cities in our valley are now following the law. It may not be perfect, but it is better than what is currently being used. Being new here, I feel I have a different perspective as how I have seen successful equal how equal successful representation works. It is not an attack on anyone's council seat. It is just what is just, fair, and legal. Like it or not, this will be the future, and it is a waste of time and money, in my opinion, to fight a lawsuit that cannot be won by those who oppose what the residents want, regardless of the percentage of the votes. Anything above 51% is the majority. Waiting until 2030 for the next census to then implement more districts would make this more difficult to implement. Seeing the growth in the other areas of Palm Desert that is going to increase the population, those who will need more representation as it grows, not after the fact. It needs to be now. Having a system in place now tells the Palm Desert residents that everyone is important to having their own council representative. Thank you very much. Thank you. Linda Salas. Thank you, Council, for letting me speak. My name is Linda Solis. I'm no relation to the plaintiff, Lorraine Solis, except for my urging you and trying to encourage you to move forward on five districts. This is not to say that the current council was not doing a, a good job. It's, I, I moved here, and I moved here because it had, the city had the facilities I was looking for. And um, it's really just the principle of better representation that I'm supporting by encouraging the five districts. I want to set an example here. Just imagine if you had a federal or state government that only had a Senate, didn't have a House or an Assembly, that would not represent the people of that state or the federal government. It's important that we have um, we are able to address the needs of these people more specifically. That's the reason why we have a House and we have a Senate. The federal and state governments have not ignored the responsibilities to the whole just because the member comes from a different area. The rationale does not really apply to this situation, so districts, um, what districts do is they allow the particular area, a voice that the council might not otherwise have heard. We, the advocates of the five districts, have been urging you for over eight years 
More time is not necessary to move forward on this, so I urge you to move immediately. I trust, as you should, that you could win a seat on the council, regardless of how many districts we have, and it would be at the fifth of your cost. Your campaign would cost you less because you'd have fewer people to deal with. Thank you. Greg Ackerman. Hello, and yeah, thanks for having me speak. As you said, my name is Greg Ackerman. And there's been a lot of discussion in recent council meetings about ranked choice voting and if that should be some component of moving towards uh, transitioning to five districts. And I think there's a couple of details that have kind of gotten lost in that discussion that I'd like to, to bring up and remind the citizens of Palm Desert about. that, Because uh, as I've been talking to lots of voters around the city and just friends that live here, I often hear people say things like, how did we get ranked choice voting? I, I don't understand it, it's confusing, how come we have it? And I just think it bears reminding that it was because of a settlement that was uh, reached in 2019, December, and it was accepted unanimously by the city council at that time. And so that's why we have it, and I've been trying to let people know that, well, it, you know, the city council agreed to it and that it must make some sense to have it because the, the, I don't remember hearing any objections to it at the time. Uh, it seemed to be, sound like a good idea back then. But recently, at recent meetings, I've heard council members say, uh, it's a huge issue and a threat to our democracy. Uh, another council member agreed and said, it's just not democracy. And uh, I know there's a lot of people around Palm Desert that seem to agree with that, but but three of our current council members did vote for ranked choice voting as part of the settlement. So I'd like to think that there was something good about it. And I can think of one good thing um, I'd like to mention. In 2002, as a candidate for city council, I was eliminated in the fourth round of voting tabulation. At that moment, I was 388 votes behind Evan Truby because he had received 542 votes from the overage assigned to him from the Jan Harnick votes. That was an excellent instance of how voters who selected council member Truby as their second choice had a direct result on getting him elected. The system worked just the way it was supposed to. So if our uh, ranked choice voting does happen to go away, uh, I'd like just to remember ourselves to remember that um, it was approved by our council. That's where it came from. So I would like to close. Am I over? Not yet. Okay. I'll close with words from another council member who said on May 25th, just a little while ago, she said, quote, I'm willing to go to five districts only because we put it on the ballot. The last thing I want to do is disenfranchise voters, end quote. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I hope the council will move to five districts in time for the 2024 election, with or without rank Joyce voting as part of that discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Joan Spear. Honorable Mayor and City Council members, thank you for taking my comments again. 
I am Joan Spear, a resident of Palm Desert at Monterey Country Club. You may wonder why there is so much emphasis on the California Voters' Rights Act. Its basic premise is to assure that minority communities have sufficient opportunity to elect a candidate of choice. And you may wonder how at-large voting dilutes the minority voice. So I have been working on studying this. Uh, in at-large elections, the majority voice is able to control the entire population. The majority group can target basically their own group to vote for them while leaving out voters who may be members of a minority group. In Palm Desert, the cost of running in the at-large election can be twenty or $30,000 or more in order to reach the approximately 40,000 voters or more likely to target those majority voters of like mind. This dilutes the impact of the minority voters. In district elections, a candidate would be reaching out to around 10,000 voters, and therefore this makes engaging minority voters more important. This also makes running for office a lot more affordable for people of a lower socioeconomic status. District-based elections actually reinforce good governance and low-cost campaigns that prioritize community and civic engagement. This is what our democracy stands for. Hopefully, the City Council will see the importance of opening up Palm Desert to opportunity for all to be engaged, and I would hope they, the City Council will vote for five districts. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Charlie Ara. Charlie left. Well, I think he's made clear what he has to say. He the library. <laughs> right. Any uh, public comment from Zoom? No additional public comment, Madam Mayor. Okay. Uh, questions from Council before discussion? Don't see questions. Um, who would like to make a suggestion about how to proceed? Councilmember Truby. All right, thank you. Um, how to proceed? That's pretty complicated. It's going to be a dynamic discussion, I feel. But um, I came to the conclusion a few weeks, maybe months ago, that five districts is inevitable, um, despite my objections. And my and I've said, I think in the May meeting, the last meeting in May we had, I, I went through all the reasons why, for what it's worth. Um, so we're gonna go to five districts, there's no doubt. I just don't like the way that we're having to do it. Uh, I would have proposed, I was thinking about this last couple of weeks since our last meeting, I would have proposed because RCV was thrown in the mix. Uh, we could get rid of RCV if we adopt five districts. I thought that was a great idea. Because, I, you know, and some of the speakers have mentioned RCV being unpopular, although previous city council voted for it. But when the rubber meets the road and you get to try it out in real time, I think we all realized it, wasn't, it was confusing and it kind of slowed down the process. And, and we really, <laughs> by the time I, I was awarded the seat, a lot of folks had almost lost interest. So 
it was it was really hard to follow. And uh, you know, pulling second place votes off of Jan for me, it, that's a way of interpreting the voters. And they didn't want to give me a first place vote. They wanted to give me a second place vote. And to, yeah, and at a percentage rate too. It was really odd. In other words, I got a percentage of Jan's second place votes. But you know, I would have proposed before hearing some of the goings on the last couple of weeks to get rid of RCV by the 2024 election and maybe go to five districts in the 26 election to allow our to allow our city staff. Uh, time to adequately hire a demographic company, a demographer, and uh, try to have enough input from residents um, to do it right, to do it adequately, and uh, to take our time and do it. And, and think about this, in the last three election cycles, I'm sorry, last two, 2020, 2022, we've thrown major wholesale changes at our residents on how they vote. We went to two districts, so in 2020, um, you know, a certain segment of the population I don't believe even voted or participated. In 2022, we introduced ranked choice voting, which threw a lot of confusion to the race. Now we're going to go, uh, proposing to go to five districts in 2024. And I, you know, I just feel like we're putting our residents on uh, Mr. Toad's wild ride here. And I'd like to see maybe a, a slow down a little bit and do it more thoughtfully. However, from what I understand the last few weeks, there's been some rumblings about potential lawsuits if we don't do it by 2024. And I just don't understand the rush. Um, I'd rather do it thoughtfully and, and move ahead. I'm not going to stand against the will of the people. If Measure B passed, we're going to five districts, and that's just the way it is. Um, I'm not convinced. I'm going to go over a few points here. I'm not convinced that the northern part of the city is underserved. I don't think that's a uh, valid argument. I think uh, we're about to spend tens of millions of dollars on a regional and a uh, secondary park, um, even though none of us live there, for the benefit of the residents in North Palm Desert. And it's always been Palm Desert's way to serve the entire city. So I, I wasn't convinced by that argument at all. Um, again, I don't like the fact that it was almost through the threat of force and lawsuits that we're having to do this. Um, it's taken away a strip local control. Even if I were to propose what I consider a sound alternative, 2026 and 2024 20, RCV, 26 go to five districts, it's not good enough for the other side and the threatening lawsuits. And I just don't, I, you know, it takes, it strips our voice here. And I don't care for that. You know, um, also, I do think that, well, you know, one of, the, one of the previous speakers said something I thought was interesting. They said, districts will force us to address the, the concerns of minorities. I, I'm not sure exactly what that meant because I know that since District 1 was formed to serve a majority or close to majority Hispanic uh, population, I didn't, that, that set me out of that. I, when I was campaigning, I didn't have to go into District 1 at all. I didn't get a chance to engage with the Hispanic population in District 1. I didn't get to hear their concerns. And I would have liked that opportunity. Maybe I could have done it just out of the goodness of my heart, but I'm busy campaigning in a big city. And uh, so I thought that would actually had a um, negative effect on uh, the input from the Hispanic vote or the Hispanic voters of our city. I do think that when, if we go to five districts in 2024, I do believe that uh, there's gonna be a lot of surprise voters out there. I think that, uh, I don't know how it's gonna, I mean, the other questions are, how do we do it? Two seats in one year, three seats in the next, and alternating elections. Um, how, you know, how do we, who's gonna give up maybe two years of their term? We have to decide, and we have to decide all these things. These are just nature of the business, nature of the beast. But either 40% or 60% of the city is not gonna be able to cast a vote for city council in 2024 if we go to five districts. And that's gonna happen every election cycle. And I don't think our residents quite understand that. I'm, maybe I'm underestimating, you know, how, uh, you know, how savvy they are or how much they've been educated through the process. 
But I do think you're going to have a lot of residents who are going to get their ballots in 24 and say, hey, there's no city council uh, person on my, on my ballot here to vote for. What's going on? And say, well, it's tough luck. You know, you, you lost four of your votes. You got one person to vote for in the next election. Good luck. And there will be elections, I predict, where there will be just one candidate in a given district. That's happened in other cities. So there's lots of cons to consider. But like I said, I'm just voicing my opinion. I do believe we're going to five districts like it or not. I just don't like how it's happening. I don't like the one-size-fits-all rule about how cities can conduct their elections uh, coming from Sacramento. What's good in Los Angeles may not work in Palm Desert, may not work in Bakersfield. So I've said my piece. Um, I don't want the city. I, I'm in a bind here because I vote for it, five districts in 24, and get rid of RCV. I'm voting against my conscience. And I vote against it, and I put the city in the liability of uh, potential lawsuits. So there I've said it. Consider it for what it's worth. Thank you. Uh, before I hear from others, let me just strive to clarify one thing with Mr. Priest. If you could bring him forward. Am I correct, uh, Mr. Priest, that typically when a city transitions to five districts, no one's term is cut short. Uh, that some people may complete a term as an at-large at uh, council member during the course of that transition. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor, members of the city council. Um, <clears throat> yes, if you are elected effectively at large, which the council members in District 2 are, uh, you are entitled to continue serving out that term. And then when that term expires, you would transition to a district seat. Um, that may cause some timing issues for some elected officials who want to run for a follow-up term. In some cases, the terms sync up precisely and the at-large term expires and that person can run for a district seat. In some cases, and it's just how the logistics work out sometimes when the map is drawn, uh, sometimes a council member may have to make a decision whether to run for a district seat early or finish out their at-large seat, and then they might be sitting out for two years before running for that district seat where they live. Understood, Again, but I, I, I'm speculating right now we'd have to run the numbers. And right, the but understood. The bottom line is after the drawing of districts, the council could strive to implement working with the seats that are coming to a close. Uh, to the extent possible. There'll be choices to make, but it won't result in anyone's term uh, prematurely ending unless they choose uh, to run for a district seat. That is correct, Madam Mayor. Okay. Just wanted to get that clear. Um, Mayor Pro Tem, did you wish to speak? I would defer to my colleagues as um, there's definitely plenty to say, but I, I would like to hear from them first. Well, uh, I'll, I'll go next, Mayor, then. Uh, uh, and, you know, going back in, in time when this issue was presented to us, uh, when we still had five districts, 
many of us on the council, if not all of us, did not want to go to districts. And I don't want to rehash it in too much detail, but I, I am very confident that all five of us at the time felt and and I still do, that it's not good policy for the benefit of the city of Palm Desert to have gone to districts in the first place. But that's a moot point. It's it's been done. I, I don't think and I'm I for one didn't understand ranked choice voting fully when you can vote for more than just one candidate. So in the case of the city of Palm Desert, some years you can vote for two candidates, other years you can vote for three candidates. So it was not fully vetted and I and I did make a mistake. I'll go on the record. I made a mistake. I should not have uh, voted for ranked choice voting. Mistake. And but now here we are. We we put it on the ballot and the voters have spoken. And so now that's why we're here discussing how to transition to five districts, whether we think it's good for the city or not. I happen to think it's not good for the, for the very reasons uh, Councilmember Truby has stated. So here, here we are, and now I am open to uh, vote with my or listen to my fellow colleagues and come up with a plan to move forward. So I'm um, open-minded and uh, look forward to further discussion. Councilmember Harnick. Thank you. Uh, I, I too agree with uh, Council Member Truby. I want to explain a, a few things. And one thing, we can start here where we all agree, which is always a good place to start. Nobody likes ranked choice voting. I haven't heard one person say it's great. And most people who speak about it don't understand it. And that's been abundantly clear when I've heard people speak about it, even to say the overage for Harnick goes to Truby. Well, 20%. Each vote was 20, worth 20%. It wasn't a whole vote. They diminished your vote by 80%. So most people don't genuinely understand it, and it's better we do away with it. And I think that's a great place to start where we all agree. I heard... Um, and when I campaigned, I went to every neighborhood. I mean, I went to every neighborhood. And it was one of the greatest parts of campaigning, was going to someone's door and speaking to them. And I heard, you know, one of the good points about districts is fewer people to deal with. That, to me, that wasn't a good point. I wanted to hear from everybody. And in the last election, there were signs for me on front yards in District 1, because those are people I spoke to who did, in fact, support me and then wondered why they couldn't vote for me. But here we are today, and we heard what Councilmember Truby said, and I agree with him. We have, we're in a position, we're going to go five districts. We know that's the case. We all know that. It was a question of time. And what Councilmember Truby said, which I absolutely agree with, right now we're looking at some major projects, the library, a regional park, a community park, a fire station, all of which we will be asking for community input and support 
The staff will be taxed with, those are great projects. Those are amazing projects that will be wonderful assets in our city. So there's a lot we're doing. So to take it to 2026 makes sense because it gives the community, how thin do we create our community input? The more we can have, the better. And when we keep asking and asking, excuse me, we have to always remember our community members do have other things to do. So they give us their time and they give us their input and we get great projects, we get great results. <clears throat> Excuse me. Having said that, I, like Councilmember Truby, don't like the threats. We've heard the threats we're going to sue, and I've heard it from myriad places. And then there was the threat we'll stop the tax initiative and you won't get a fire station. I guess, evidently, not caring, they put people's lives in peril. We wouldn't get a library. We wouldn't get those parks. What is that really about? To threaten that sort of thing. Isn't it easier to work together, to find a common solution? But evidently, I would call that bullying. Bullying seems to be some, some people's chosen weapon. And that's unfortunate, because that's never been the way in Palm Desert. We've always been able to work together. We recognize that five districts, we put it on the ballot. We voted to put it on the ballot. So we recognize that's where we're going. And the plaintiff's attorney suggested that RCV goes away if five districts come on board. So if we have to rush it, and I have no doubt that our, our staff, the team here inside the walls of City Hall, have the ability to rush this through and get it done by the 2024 election. What's unfortunate is we have other projects, and it's a shame when we have to rush, and we can't do it in a methodical way where we make sure we have the best work project. But we're not in a position to do that now. So having said that, I think we go to the districts in 2024, and we do away with RCV and that waste of money. And we move forward because we have important projects for our city. And all of us up here, I believe, want to do what's best for Palm Desert. And a library, a fire station, a regional park, and a community park are all part of what's best for Palm Desert. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem, it's your turn. Thank you, Madam Mayor. As our residents have, have shared you know, their, their vision, their understanding, their support, um, I have understood that in other states they do things a little differently, including many states that use ranked choice voting, and it's not a gigantic issue there. And 
one of the things that was presented was that there were less people that voted in this election than in previous years. Well, anybody that follows politics, or perhaps maybe I'm the only political junkie up here, it's in non-presidential years, you tend to have less participation anyway. We also have something that's called down-ballot cast-off, where people are only looking at the top of their ballots. And it is very natural for folks to only look at large statewide positions and often ignore uh, municipal and water board and school board, even though these positions have such a substantial impact on their daily lives, the focus is on larger statewide positions where they're watching with national attention. So I think that needs to be clarified that it's not that people were, were too confused to vote. And as far as hearing that no one likes ranked choice, maybe I have not been heard up here when I've said that I like it. Um, and I know that there are other people that have stated. I recall that when we were presented with the settlement, I thought, wait, this is this ranked choice is kind of weird. So it's not something I brought up. It was presented to me too. So whether that was something that was initiated from Best Best and Krieger or whether it was presented by Shankman, it came up to both parties to decide to accept. So it wasn't necessarily just something that the plaintiffs were advocating for or that it has been the crux that has delayed all of these things. So I appreciate that there are members, um, in particular Councilmember Nestande, that said that she agrees it wasn't the best decision at the time. And I highly respect that. So thank you for, for presenting that in looking back, right? Uh, hindsight is 2020. As we also look back to hindsight being 2020 in hearing things like my vote is being taken away. Well, at one point there were men saying, don't let women vote because I'm getting my vote take away, my vote will be diluted if you let those women folk vote. So I don't think that that's necessarily a good example of how ensuring that another protected group, another group of people that have not been as vocally heard before, having a seat at the table and hearing, I didn't have to go to District 1, that's a personal choice or in saying, I won't get to vote. Well, there's plenty of ways that you can still support a candidate. I, I've supported candidates that are not in my district. I've worked for candidates that are not even in my city because I believe in their values. I've consulted on congressional campaigns that are not, again, even in this part of the state because these are people whose values that I've aligned with. So democracy works when we all get involved. And when we say that we, we can't rush this, that we need to take more time. Well, when voters passed Measure B, we should have started kicking into gear in December 2020. We have wasted what is now essentially going to be seven months. So to say we're gonna rush this and we're not going to do this adequately, well, we've wasted time. So it's no one's fault but the council's that this didn't move forward with any um, efficacy. I think that it's also important to consider that when we look at voter engagement and ensuring that we get a larger amount of participation, we have to understand the changing demographics of our city. 
Maybe it's not something that's been expressed to this council, but I hear from so many people, working families that say, ah, your meeting's at four. Why is it so early? I don't even get off to work at five. It would take me until 5.30 to pick up my kids and not until six to even make it to the chamber. A lot of times we're done by six. So that to me is another way to show we're not understanding our, the entire populace of our city or our business owners that would be able to attend. So that to me is an issue and it's not just an opinion. We were speaking to the um, individuals and developers of our park and we had to ask them, how did you get more diversity? Why did they have to go to a second round of surveys? They came here and told us the majority of the people that responded and it was an incredible, dare I say, super majority of people that were responding that were um, retirees of a more advanced age and of uh, you know, Caucasian ancestry. That is showing that it's not proportional with the demographics of the city of Palm Desert, and it just goes to show that we need to ensure that everyone has access there's so many times that I have helped residents and they say, wow, you're not even my representative. I live outside the district, but you're so helpful. My first response is to say, I serve the entire city. I serve the entire city. I've had supporters from across the city. That doesn't mean I'm only looking in my backyard. And when someone says that they went to every neighborhood, I can assure you that I never even got a mailer in the past not a door hanger, nor the outreach from all of the different candidates. So when you're running a campaign, you have the ability to select which voters you are going to spend your, your mailing materials on. So if I didn't receive it as a very engaged voter, perhaps my demographic was part of the reason I had not re received any of their literature in the past. Thank you. All right. Uh, it sounds to me as though it is time for a motion uh, to, did you wish? Yes. Sorry, I just want to make sure, because we're talking about November of 24, and I think a lot of people have that date in their head as going to five districts. However, per election rules, the districts have to be drawn and everything else decided by a certain date in, in advance of the election. So we don't have until November of 24 to... No, but Anthony has laid yes. out a timetable. You want to speak to that, Anthony? The final map needs to be adopted 205 days prior to uh, November's election, which would take us to about early April. So, okay. uh, it sounds to me like it is time... Uh, for a motion to begin the process of moving to five districts in time for the 2024 election and eliminating ranked choice voting. I will make that motion. I second the motion. And let me say just a couple brief additional words uh, before we vote. It has been my goal from the beginning uh, to respect the results 
of Measure B, which includes not just respecting the 53% who voted yes, but by some means to respect the sizable 47% who said no. Um, the few people I have run into who like ranked choice voting were shocked when I explained how it operated in the last election. Uh, so it has few fans and it confuses many. There is no sin whatsoever in revisiting a decision based upon life experience and additional input. We did that tonight in regard to Lupin Plaza. It's a sin to ignore life experience and additional input. Uh, so I take pride in reversing my stance on ranked choice voting to the extent it means I'm paying attention to life experience and input. I respect um, those who have principled reasons for favoring it, but we're in a place uh, where moving forward with districts and dropping ranked choice voting can potentially be embraced by most of our residents, perhaps a sizable majority of our residents, as a good basis for peace on this issue, the elimination of distraction, and return to the other pressing business of the city. So if there are no further comments, we'll take the vote. Council Member Harnick. Yes. Council Member Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Very happily, I. Council Member Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Quiet, everyone. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. We were doing so well. Uh, we will move to the public hearings. And um, should I open the public hearings before the staff reports or after? I prefer right at the beginning. Your preference is my rule. Um, the first is item 3A, approve resolution adopting the report proposing to have solid waste service charges collected on the property tax roll for fiscal year 2023-2024 and direct the city clerk to file said report with the Riverside County Auditor Controller to place said, said charges on the tax roll. We will open the public hearing and may we have the staff report. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. I'm Amy Lawrence, Deputy Director of Economic Development. 
In April of 2015, the City Council approved building a residential uh, solid waste services for individually built residences through the County of Riverside's Tax Assessor's Property Tax Roll. This item before you tonight is to approve the resolution adopting the report proposing to collect the solid waste service charges for single family residences on the property tax roll for fiscal year 23-24. As noted in the report, to pass this resolution must be approved by a two-thirds vote of the City Council. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. And we also have Mr. Frank Orlett with Burtech available as well. <laughs> Very patient. <laughs> Any uh, questions from council? Any? Uh, let's see if we have public comment first. Any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Uh, Yes, Mayor Pertem. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I wanted to show gratitude to staff for a very detailed and thorough report. I can only imagine how much time it took to put this together, but to uh, gratitude to our partners that with the stats that our staff was able to put together, this was very easy to support and to explain to our residents why it's still good for them. Thank you. Any other comments? Um, I will close the public hearing and invite the council to act. I just move it. You may. <laughs> Thank you. Would someone like to just second it? I will second the motion. All right. We have a motion and a second. Uh, please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick? Yes. Councilmember Nestandi? Yes. Mayor Pro Tim Quintanilla? Aye. Councilmember Truby? Yes. Mayor Kelly? Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. You are free to leave the station. <laughs> uh, item 3B uh, approval of resolutions related to the adoption of the fiscal year 2023-2024 financial plan and capital improvement program. Uh, for those of you still listening, uh, this is the fruit of extensive staff work and uh, three separate days of study sessions. May we have the staff report. Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, Veronica Chavez, Director of Finance. Um, as you mentioned, during the first week of May, City staff presented and proposed the proposed 23-24 financial plan and capital improvement program in depth to City Council over the study sessions. For today, I'll keep it to the highlights with the detail included in the packet. As you know, City Council's annual goals and priorities are what guide staff and the coinciding operational and capital budgets for the upcoming fiscal year. This page is a reminder of the various goals set by City Council back in February. From the 10,000 foot level, the proposed general fund budget projects a 200,000 surplus at year end for 23-24. The 23-24 general fund revenues are projected to be $75.5 million with increases in almost every area compared to prior year original budgets 
The only area with a substantial decrease is to transfers, transfers in, and that correlates to the approved 5% decrease in the cannabis tax. Total 23-24 general fund expenditures are estimated at $75.3 million, with the largest component attributable to public safety costs. Included in your packet is the full five-year capital improvement program. We did make a few adjustments since the study sessions based on some newer CIP items approved by council since that time. For example, the $20 million parking lot project was removed from the carryover balance, and replacing it is the $12.5 million DRD rehab and $2.5 million contribution to Eisenhower for the child care facility each of which show up under capital project funds and are paid from restric restricted capital bond proceeds. The projects currently identified as unfunded on this list include um, the North Sphere Parks and the phase two and three of the Development Services Office Rehab. I've added this page to provide an update on the revenue projections. Since the study session was um, Concluded, we have received quarter one reports from our sales tax consultant that show a leveling off from the recent increases we've seen post-pandemic. The projections for 23-24 have been decreased slightly by about 500,000. So although the prior quarter um, conservative projection was used for budget, it now qualifies as a moderate projection. Also, during the study sessions, I had explained that the receipts for current year TOT did not yet capture our busiest season of the year, so projections were pretty conservative for 23-24 at 21 million. We now have April receipts in, and they are in line with prior year, about 250,000 more in 23. With that in mind, we estimate TOT should reach about 23.5 at fiscal year in 23. That number still exceeds the projected amount that I've included for 24. However, given that TOT generally trends sales tax, there is an anticipated softening in those revenues as well and included in the budget. On a positive note, interest rates have increased substantially since 22. Staff anticipates that those increases will at the very least offset the projected decrease in sales tax. Based on the current rates, on a $100 million balance, for instance, the potential increase is about $3.5 million in interest earnings um, to the general fund. Staff does intend to continue to monitor the general fund revenues closely, given the current economic factors, and will return to council if any major changes occur. That concludes my presentation. Staff is ready and available for any questions. Any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then I will close the public hearing and invite council to act. Yes. Uh, Veronica, thank you for the presentation. Um, you mentioned $7.5 million for the DRD rehab project. That's a loan, is that right? It is set up as a funding source for, from city bonds, and then there will be a repayment of the tenant improvements through their rent. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve? I move to approve. I'll make a motion to approve. We have a motion by Mayor Brotim and a second by Councilmember Nestante. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. 
Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Next is item three C. Adopt amendment to an annual action plan for fiscal year 2021-22 community development block grant. I will open the public hearing and invite the staff report. Good evening, Honorable Mayor and members of City Council. My name is Joe Barron. I'm the Contracts and Grants Analyst in the Finance Department. Uh, we recently received a request to make an amendment to our uh, Community Development Block Grant Program, which uh, requires an um, open hearing or open comments to receive open comments from our public. Do we have any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. All right. All right, thank you. Uh, I will close the public hearing and invite the council to act. I would move, um, what item is that? Item, <laughs> item number C. Yes. As presented. I second. Please take the vote. Council Member Harnick. Yes. Council Member Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tim Quintanilla. Aye. Council Member Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Um, moving to item 2D, approve fiscal year 2023-24 through 2028-29, five-year consolidated plan analysis of impediments to fair housing, fiscal year 2023-24 annual action plan and funding award recommendations. This is a wonderfully helpful document, chock full of information. Uh, Mr. Barron. I'm back again. <laughs> so tonight's hearing um, is to provide City Council an overview of the requirements of the, uh, the Community Development Block Program, also known as CDBG. The CDBG program is administered by the U.S. Department of, Depart of Department of Housing and Urban Development, which provides jurisdictions federal funds to address the needs of low and moderate income residents. It allows for neighborhoods to improvements and helps address urgent needs. The City Council must submit an annual action plan, consolidated plan every five years, analysis of impediments to the fair housing, to HUD to be eligible for funding. Each of these elements listed on this page are a requirement part of the con plan and were included in your packet. As a result of the information compiled through the community survey the, the, and compiled in the analysis of impediments, the following priorities identified for the next five years. The annual action plan contains various activities that were requested through the application process, vetted by staff, aligned with the priorities, and approved by the outside agency funding on May 30th of 2023. 
This will be the initial action plan of the five-year con plan beginning July 1st of 2023 and will be ending June 30th of 2024. For fiscal year 23-24, the city received $393,904 and not a penny more. <laughs> um, public services and administrative costs have, it, have a maximum cap so each of those were maximized and the remaining funds were allocated to public improvement projects in accordance with CDBG requirements. This evening, staff is recommending City Council to conduct a public hearing, accept public comment to the City's CDBG program, and approve the City's five-year consolidated plan, analysis of impediments to fair housing, annual action plan, and sub-recipient funding allocations as recommended by the outside agency committee and authorize staff to submit to HUD. This concludes my presentation this evening. Uh, at this time, I'm available to answer any questions. Is there any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then I close the public hearing and invite council Questions or action? I move item D as presented. I will second that. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item three F. Approve the engineer's report to order the levy and collection of assessments in the City of Palm Desert Benefit Assessment District Number One for fiscal year 2023-24. I will open the public hearing and invite a brief staff report. Good evening, uh, Honorable Mayor and Council Members. Chris Gary with the Public Works Department. Uh, the item before you relates to the annual uh, uh, renewal process for our uh, benefit zones. There's uh, 33 of them um, that comprise of the city's landscape and lighting district number one. In order to renew these benefit zones annually, uh, the city is required to conduct a public hearing and, uh, and adopt appropriate resolutions, including an engineer's report. Uh, note that the council will be recommended to take similar actions uh, for the next three agenda items relating to assessment districts. So there is some redundancy uh, this evening for these, re these remaining uh, agenda items. And then finally, there is supplemental information uh, attached to this item as well as the, uh, uh, the additional agenda items that incorporates a cleanup language to some of our resolutions after taking a fresh look at them uh, after so many years. Um, and with that said, uh, city staff and our assessment district consultants are available for questions. All right, I seem to have skipped E and read the heading for F, so shall we just my end with F and go back to yes. E? All right. Any public comment in regard to 3F? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then I will close the public hearing and invite council action. I move to approve. I will second that. I'll second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. And returning to three ES in the elephant, approve the management of district plan and 
order the levy and collection of assessments within the President's Plaza One Property and Business Improvement District for fiscal year 2023-24. Anything to add, Mr. Carey? Uh, Honorable Mayor and Council Members, just the item before you relates to the annual renewal process for President's Plaza One uh, for our Property and Business Improvement District, and this is the first uh, year renewal of a five-year period. Any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then I will close the public hearing and invite council action. I have a question, please. Yes. Knowing that sometimes the um, wait, we're on we're on E, e. now. Yes. Okay. I thought we said President's Plaza. It, it, it is it President's is. Plaza. So knowing that. Upon a case, it, it, it's that that would be G and H, right? Oh gosh, so, I, I'm. It's been a long night. I read, so, I read, the, I said E, but I read the title for G. G. So we, let's no. go back and revise the title. We should be on item E, approve the engineer's report for and the leave-in collection of annual assessments within Consolidated Palm Desert Landscaping and Lighting District Number 1 for fiscal year 2023-24. I will reopen the public hearing to make sure everybody knows what page we're on. Everybody except me, of course. No public comment, Madam Mayor. Then I will now close the public hearing on item E. And I will move to approve item number E as presented. I will second that. Let's take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Okay. Let's see if I can get one right. Uh, item three G. Approve the management district plan and order the leave and collection of assessments within the President's Plaza One property and business improvement district for fiscal year 2023-24. And I will open the public hearing. I think you said it all. <laughs> uh, is there any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. And I will close the public hearing. And do you have a question? I do have a question. And it, it, it would apply to both this President's Plaza, which is Portola and San Luis Rey, and you can answer both, will be real efficient. And the other one that's between Highway 74 and Sage. Um, given that every once in a while, when we go do this, we get a little backlash later on. It's what happened. Did we reach out? Did they were they noticed in the mail, or how did how did we do this? Uh, can I defer to our, our consultants who are who are online? I believe there's a we we do our, our typical noticing, but okay. Um, if we can elevate our consultants, please. I think because of the extensive work done in the last two years, they knew what to expect. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I would like to believe that, but I don't want to assume that. I just want to make sure they were noticed, and, and I'm surprised there was no, I, I'm surprised there's no feedback. 
uh, I guess it's, they're so happy with the supreme uh, improvements on President Plaza, there was nothing to say. And, and to answer your question, Councilmember Harnick, I am unsure if we, uh, if our consultants directly reach out in, um, personally to each one, or it's just through our, our public hearing process. Okay, thank you. Would you like to make a motion? Well, yes, I do. Uh, I'll make a motion then on item G, as it is presented, as the recommendation is presented. I will second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Aye. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Item three H, approve the management district plan and order the Lathian collection of assessments within the President's Plaza 3 Property and Business Improvement District for fiscal year 2023-24. I'll open the public hearing. Is there any public comment? No public comment, Madam Mayor. And I will close the public hearing and invite action. And I will uh, move to approve item H as presented. I second. Please take the vote. Councilmember Harnick. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Quintanilla. Aye. Councilmember Truby. Yes. Mayor Kelly. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. There being no other business, we are adjourned by consent. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody.